Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Sweet, Lord, help me today as I share this message, prepare our hearts that we may receive it in Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series called, I've titled it, Winning in Relationships, as opposed to Losing in Relationships. Come on, anybody ever lost in some relationships? Keep your hands down, don't put them up. Uh, (laughs) I have lost in (laughs) relationships. We're celebrating. No, we want to win in our relationships. And I want you to know this, that even if you've lost in relationships, Come on, you can win in your next relationship, right? Uh, Because really, all that we can do is pay attention to today and and what's going forward. And we can bring the Lord into the center of today and what's going forward. In the event that you missed last week's message, and especially if you missed last week's message and you're single, meaning you're not married right now, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's online. If you need a DVD of the message or a CD of the message, I will be more than happy to get that to you also. But we talked about last week the pressure of marriage and how even even when our kids are raised, there's a pressure. You know, they're out playing Barbie and Barbie and Ken. Next thing you know, they're getting married. I shared last week that, and this is a true story, man, by the third or fourth grade, I had married every pretty girl on recess, uh, you know what I mean? And I would take like, I would get in my mom's jewelry box, and she was so mad at me, but I would give all these different cute girls that I married out on recess like a chain that was my mom's, it wasn't even mine to give, and yeah, I was that guy, super romantic back then, my wife's like, where'd that go? Where did, where? <laughs> <laughs> he has left the building. Um, but I'm just saying there's such pressure to get married. And, and I shared that, that in, and it doesn't mean matter if you've been married once and you're divorced or you've been married three times in your divorce, like singleness in your life can be the greatest season because there are supposed to be things that happen in our singleness. We're supposed to grow in God. We're supposed to learn who we are, not not who the world tells us who we are, but we're supposed to learn why we were created. Like your purpose and who you are, your DNA, listen to me, cannot come through somebody else. But you know what we do all the time? We're just like, man, if I marry this person or I marry that person, then, you know, I'm going to become the best me. No, you are not. If you are looking for what only God can give you through another person, you're going to be left holding an empty sack 10 times out of 10 times. And so what this leads to, this pressure to get married, is this, that if I'm not married, then I'm not enough. And I want you to know that if you spent the rest of your life single, somebody's like, don't speak that over me. But if you did speak been the rest of your life single, I want you to know that you are enough. All right? So Tina and I, we've been together, I did the math, 27 years. Thought that would get a little bit better celebration than it did. I even tried to, really tried to even pump it up a little bit, but 
27 years we've been together, 26, don't ask any questions, just leave it at that. Um, I want you to know that I am so grateful for the life that I have right now. And I'm not sharing this, I know that there's a lot of pain and so I'm not sharing this to be boastful. I know that there's a lot of issues. Even some of you, you're single today because you're single and it wasn't, you didn't have really, like let's say, let's just be honest, like some people have lost spouses. You know what I mean? You, you would love to have your spouse here, but they've gone to be with the Lord. And so there's a lot of pain in this area. And so I'm not boasting. Ah, look, because the truth is, had it not been for God and my wife, we wouldn't be married today. Uh, I, I, I've been blessed with, with somebody that is, that is uh, better at this than I am. And I serve a God that is better at this than I am. And so I can't even take credit for being married for 26 years. But I'm telling you that I am so thankful to have been married 26 years together for 27 years. And I wouldn't trade my life for anything. I just would not trade my life for anything for anybody. I am so grateful and I live a blessed life. But I want you to know this. That I have gotten to where I am today, and Tina has gotten to where she is today the hard way. I tell people a lot that God will get you to where you need to be, where, where he wants to take you, but he'll give you two options. I love tunnels. I love going through the mountains, especially where there's a long tunnel. I'm the guy that lays on the horn the whole time, rolls down the window. I'm screaming, ah! The horn's going, ah! People are driving by. Don't look at that guy. Don't look. But I love tunnels. I'm sorry, was that like an ugly face? Total. The, the way that Autumn's looking at me is like, I can't believe he just, I, I can't even believe he did that. Oh, do they? <laughs> I'm a child. I am an adult child. I'm just telling you. And so, listen, like, you can take the easy way through the, the mountain, or you can go around the mountain. And my whole life, including in marriage, ha I've gone around the mountain. I tell people oftentimes that you, God will open the gate for you to go through the gate, or he will pull you through the knothole. And I am a knothole guy. Like, the, I, I have learned everything that I know the hard way because I'm not smart enough just to say, wow. Let's pause. This hasn't been working, you know what I mean, in the past and make some adjustments and some changes. But I'm telling you, I am so close to my wife right now and so in love with her and so happy, you know what I mean, for our family. This is a testimony only of God's faithfulness and his redemptive power. So how does this apply to you? If you're married today and you're going through trouble, I want to be the first to tell you, as a living example, I don't care what the problems you're facing, God is greater than your biggest problems. And I'm not downsizing your problems. Like some of you are dealing with some major, major issues and hardships, and, and I'm not making light of those things, but I want you also to know that if you're married and you're having problems, you can have the marriage that you deserve, wait a second, the marriage that you desire with the person that you are currently married to right now. 
You see, what it is is we burn so many bridges and we let things get so far gone that we think that if I'm ever going to be happy in marriage, and I'm telling you, I know what it's like personally to be at the 12th hour. Tina knows what it's like personally to be at the 12th hour. The only thing that hasn't been done is for the divorce papers to be signed. And the power of God because of the prayer of a woman. I would love to tell you it was because of the prayers of me. But the power of God because of the prayer of a praying wife. We are here to get today enjoying. And so I'm telling you this, that I don't care how far you think that you're gone and how many bridges, you know what I mean, have been burnt and how mean and terrible you've been to one another. I want you to know this, that you can have the marriage that you desire with the person that you're currently with. You don't have to look elsewhere. You don't have to think that, boy, if I'm going to be able to step into this, it's going to be with somebody else, I'm telling you. And oh, by the way, I want you to know the blessings of stick to of sticking with it. So I've got three of my own children. Two of my children have married. And so I don't believe in the whole son-in-law thing. I don't believe in the whole daughter-in-law thing. Like, like I've got five children now. I've got, I went from three to five. And, and I look at them just as important as my as my own. And oh, by the way, little BTW, because marriage, you know what I mean? Like you multiply through marriage. I've got two grandbabies today, little Stetson Lane and little Harper June, right? Beautiful. Hi, little baby. You come see grandpa. I'll come see me. She's like, no, I'm staying with grandma. But this is the deal is, is that that we are able as a family to celebrate this together because of the power of God. And I'm just saying that, that it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so, and so I want us to know this, that even though we're going to be talking about marriage today, this message is for everybody. Um, if you're in a, a marriage, you're in a relationship, you're married to a, a, a man or a woman, uh, and uh, I want you to know that this message has the ability to take your marriage to a different level. And I'm telling you that if you're struggling in your marriage, it's because something is deficient. Something is missing. And most of the time, many times, it deals with one of two areas. I'm just going to give you this on the front end, all right? Selfishness or lack of God in the, in the, in the marriage, selfishness or God has been absolutely like you may have been married on an altar and you're saying the pastors up here you know and the the husband will leave his wife and the two will become one flesh and that and the vows you're like I, I vow to keep God into the center and so you said all the right things on the beginning on the front end but I want you to ask yourself the question right now in church don't lie to yourself I want you to ask yourself the question, how much is God in your marriage? Is he in your marriage a great deal or, or a little bit? And so you answer that question. But to the people that are single, once again, value the season that you're in. Learn from what it is that I'm sharing with you. 
And in the event that you choose to marry somebody, when you yourself is healthy and you marry somebody else that is healthy, man, you're going to be that much further down the road. All right? Whatever you bring Jesus into, the center of it gets better. For some of you, the only problem that you have is you've forgotten Jesus. You need to re-bring Jesus back into the center of your marriage. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, holy smokes, man, this is like we're dating again. You know? Remember those days. That was a joke, too. Nobody's, nobody is, uh... all right, quit joking, Travis, you're not funny. So today's message is titled Tools for Marriage, or A Few Tools for Marriage. I don't even know what I titled, uh, A Few Tools for Marriage, but Tools for Marriage. Marriage is supposed to be a reflection of the relationship that God has for his church. That's what it's supposed to look like, and some people that you've met, and, and maybe even some people that are here this morning, you're just like, man, I don't even know that I believe in God because I can't really see him. And I will just say to that that you can't look at creation and see all of the order and all of the design that is around us. And really, it would take more faith for you to think that that all came out of chaos instead of intentional, intelligent design. But beyond that, beyond that, like people should be able to look at a godly marriage, a great marriage, and you've seen them. Maybe it was when you were a kid going over to a friend's house and you're just like, man, the way that your parents get along and how they love one another and show affection to one another, that doesn't happen in my house. And so you're just, you, you've been given this picture of what what marriage can look like because you've seen, you've been exposed to marriage done right. But I'm just telling you this, that, that those who do not even know God and believe in God, they can be introduced by God through a man and a woman doing marriage the proper way, a godly way. Now the problem is, and I'm not, I'm not listen, there's plenty of marriages that are thriving and godly marriages in this church, but the problem is, there's not enough of them. Like you really have to search for, you know, for, for, for somebody that is just really, really just knocking it out of the park in this area of a godly marriage. And so how many of you know this, that there's nothing more attractive than a godly marriage, a healthy marriage? I would say this because this is the one reason I want you to lean in just real quick. Just pay attention real quick. I would say this is true because because this is the only reason why somebody would marry and divorce and then marry and divorce and then marry and divorce and marry and divorce because the idea of, of this beautiful marriage that they know other people are experiencing, the idea that it's out there, they've seen it, they know it's true, they just think it's gonna come through a person. But I want to just be honest with you. It's not going to come through a different person because that person cannot make you whole and make you healthy. They can sure support it, but you've got to get certain things that only come from God. And so when we search what, we, what we're deficient in in another person instead of going to God, you're gonna, it's just not going to work. It's just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hurtful. There's one common denominator in somebody that has had multiple marriages and those marriages have failed. 
This is, this is hard, but I want to remind you, I am willing to share this with you because I do. I care about you. I love you. And if we can't talk about this in the church, and it's not to make, listen, I don't care if you've been divorced 10 times. My purpose and desire for you is that the 11th time when it's right, that it is going to be everything that it deserves to be, not because the other person has what you need, but because you've become healthy and you're ready for it, and that other person, they've been working on themselves, and they're healthy. Boy, if you take two unhealthy people, broken, messed up people, and bring it together and think that somehow two negatives are going to be a positive in marriage, whoo, it's not going to work. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. If you're unhealthy, you're single right now, getting ready to get married, I would encourage you Pump the brakes. Stop the brakes. There's nothing wrong with saying, listen, let's give this thing a year. Let's work on you. Let's work on me. I'm not you. I, I'm not even going to judge you. I'm not even going to look. I'm not even going to think twice about after saying this. But I'm just saying that I really feel the, the common denominator in somebody that has broken relationship after broken relationship is the person that has broken relationship after broken relationship. And I'm just saying the reason is, is because there's something deficient and broken inside of them that only the Lord can heal. That only the Lord can heal. And he will heal you. He absolutely will, I'm telling you. And if you're married and you're just like, well, great, I'm married, now what? then welcome to the club of going the long way and being pulled through knot holes. You don't have an out. You are where you are, but I'm telling you, God can get you where you need to be. The answer is not leaving him and finding another or leaving her and finding another. That's not the answer. And I speak, I speak of, like, I can talk about this. My wife and I, we can talk about this because we have not had that shiny marriage. We have not had that shiny marriage our whole life. We didn't do one thing right. We did it all wrong. Not one thing did we get right. So I can talk to this. I've got experience. Plus, the Lord has redeemed what the enemy has tried to take away. And so, so number one is this. Marriage was never this is interesting. Marriage was never intended to be between two people. You're like, Pastor Travis, I think you said something about polygamy last week. And uh, I'm wondering what kind of church that we're, we're going to. And this is very strange. But I'm telling you, is there two people in your marriage or is there three? We do a braided cross. I love that. Thank you, Teresa. We do a braided cross ceremony. It's a powerful ceremony at wedding, wedding ceremony when, you know, they're doing their vows and everything. A braided cross is a cross that has been, you know, built, you know, by somebody in the family. And then there's three strings. There's, there's a string that represents his life, usually is his favorite color. Let's say it's blue. There's a string that represents her life. Let's say her favorite color is pink. And then there's a string, a rope in the middle that, that is just pure white. And the idea is, is at a certain point of this ceremony, they go back and they braid this cross. And the, the white one, it represents Christ in the middle of their marriage. And so once that thing is braided, the idea is it's tied at the bottom, sometimes even burnt, 
that God is going to be continually in the center of our, our marriage. And so there's the idea is that, that it was never just between a man and a woman, but also God in the center of it. I also want you to know this, that love shared in a marriage, it requires action, not just words. Love gives. It takes action. For God so loved the world that he, he gave, right? He gave sacrificially. Did he give a little thing? No, he gave a big thing. He gave his only begotten son so that anybody that would receive him would not perish, that would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so I want you to know this, that you will never find real love without sacrifice. But yet we have relationships all the time today and even marriages where we say, oh, I love you. No, I love you. You're leaving the house. I love you. No, I love you too. We have cheapened the word love because it's just a word, but the actions taken by the one given the word does not represent the meaning of the, of the, of the, the, the it doesn't define the word that's been given. And so you can say, I love you all day long. Mm, I love, mm, you know what I'm saying? But your actions don't support that you, that you love one another. And so what does it do? It cheapens the word. We've taken something that is valuable and we've made it, we've made it common. So my dad, I did his service. This is my stepdad. I had two, I've got two dads. He's, I got two dads. I'm blessed. Uh, he went to be with the Lord a few years back. And I did, uh, I did his service, but I was reminded, my dad always had a saying when, before he, he gave his heart to the Lord like 14 years before he died and just fell in love with Jesus, and it was just awesome. I didn't think this man would ever serve God, but, uh, but God just got him. He got him. God can get anybody. I can just tell you that. Uh, but my dad, when I was younger, and we would be out, my dad, he worked for the Union Pacific Railroad. He was a roadmaster, and he would always be looking at people, like, hey, watch out for that guy. I'm like, yeah, why, dad? He's on the take. We going in the grocery store. Hey, you know that guy that we just met there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, watch out for him. Why's that, dad? He's on the take. How many of you know what on the take means? Nobody? Few people? Few older people? On the take means that... Watch out for those people that are looking for something for nothing. They're, they, like they, they, they will lie to your face. They will overpromise you. You know what I mean? They're on the take. And my dad apparently had an eye for people that were on the take. And he would always tell me, like this was his fa one of his favorite sayings, watch out for them. Those people over there, watch out for them. They're on the take. They want something, you know what I mean, for, for nothing. And I'm just saying that that so represents so many of our marriages that we see, even in the church today, people are in the marriage for what I can get, what I deserve. Come on, what's in it for me? And I'm just telling you that the true evidence of love in a marriage is not what you can get, but what you can give. And I'm telling you what, this is a lifelong lesson of learning that I don't know that we'll ever fully understand, but boy, we better be moving in that direction. Also, your relationship with God dictates how all other relationships will go. Ephesians 5.25 says this, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself. When it says gave himself, it means that he died for her. He died for his bride, which is the church. He literally gave his life. He loved her so much. He loved us so much that he died on a cross much uglier than that one. 
And so, so if you want a great marriage, you're gonna have to learn how to die to yourself daily. Once again, if you've got a bad marriage right now, I can almost guarantee, and, 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 and I would get it wrong in some situations, but if you've got a poor marriage right now, somebody's being selfish, probably both of you, and God's not in the center of it. You, you, you think he is, but honestly, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna be truthful about it, like God's a part of it when it's convenient, but what he says about, about your lives together, it's not, it's not priority. I love baptisms. We do so many baptisms here at Grace Church. This is the baptism over here, and we march people down into the water, and we pray for them, and and, um, and, and when we baptize, we don't just take, you know, like a handful of water and just splash it up on their, on their face. No, man. And I love watching Pastor Javi baptize. How many of you appreciate how Pastor Javi baptizes? He, I, I, I love how he does. You know why? Because it doesn't matter if you're 84 years old or you're nine years old. You're going down quickly and you're going down deep. He's not gonna, he's not gonna just be like, you know what I mean? Like we got a wave that usually comes off the back, out of the back of the tub. And, uh, and so I just, I love that. And, uh, and it's, there's just a little bit more action when he does it, you know? I'm more gentle because it's my, it's my nature and gentle. And I just kind of lay him down in there. But I'm telling you that whenever we baptize people, this is very symbolic of, of we know that Jesus died on a cross he was buried in a tomb for three days, but on the third day, he rose again. There was a resurrection of life. Amen? So it's powerful. So we, it's symbolic of that. We're saying, I'm dying out to myself. That's why we bury you in the waters of baptism. When you come up, you're experiencing resurrected life because old things have passed away. All things have become new. The Bible says that your repented sin is thrown as far away from you as the east is from the west, never to be brought up against you again, amen? And so, <clears throat> so that's the representation of that, but some of us in our marriages, <clears throat> we have to die out to selfishness on a regular basis. You're selfish, and so when you, when you die out to being selfish and you start preferring the other person like you're supposed to, Marriage is all about giving. Love is all about giving. And when you do that, right, there's a resurrection in your marriage. All of a sudden, man, once again, you're treating one another like you were back when you were dating. And that's a beautiful thing. Some people think, I don't want to die out to myself because, you know, am I going to lose who I am? No, you're not going to lose who you are. You are going to be, you're still going to be you. Sarah, you're still going to be you. You're not going to lose. And I know you've already done this, but if you were worried about like, am I just going to become some weirdo? Only if you want to be a weirdo. You don't have to become a weirdo. A lot of people do become weirdos. That's totally cool. But you're going to be you. You're just going to be the best version of you because there's not going to be any generational curses. You know what I mean? You're going to be able to break off addictions and you've got the power of God. You know what I'm saying? In your life. And you're not, you know, if you're sick, 
sin nature says, I want this and I want that. You're not going to be like, okay, you know, just being pulled around, you know, by a chain around your neck. You're going to be like, no, man, I'm a person of self-control. You know what I'm saying? I got the spirit of the living God. And even though I desire this, I'm greater than this. And my God is greater than this. And so I don't have to do this any longer. And so you're not going to lose who you are. You're just going to become a better version of who you are, the version that God had created you to be in the first place. And so I just love that. So you're here and you're like, okay, that's fine. This is all fine and dandy. But Pastor Travis, you're kind of speaking as if we're in fantasy land. Let's be honest. What happens if you've got a wife or a husband that just frustrates the living tar out of you? They know how, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Counseling, Monday, Three o'clock, be down. No, no, no. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> She's like, she was almost like, that's us, that's us, that's us. No, no. <laughs> I love, oh, that's so good. Um, I lost my total train of thought here. What about the person that frustrates you? Because we know how to dance on our spouse's last nerve, right? We know how to push them, push buttons, and things like that. And so, so. What about that? Is that real? You better believe it's real. But the answer to that is grace and mercy. See, we have to get to, we have to get to the point where we treat our spouse like Jesus treats us. And I'm telling you, sometimes I flat fail and I flat fail because I'm stubborn and I'm prideful and he doesn't just do away with me. In fact, he knows how to, how to handle me. Sometimes with the, it's a gentle touch. Sometimes it's a, it's a hard corrective action. But whatever it is that he does, it is the right thing. And so a sharp response is not valid just because it's justified. Just because you're justified to come back. And some of you, like I'm a good arguer. I, I, this is terrible. I'm giving you what not to do. I remember, you know, my wife would push my buttons and I'm like, I would just tell her right off the bat, you're going to lose this. Do you want to continue this? Anthony, you've had the same conversation. I guarantee it. Do you really want to do this because you are going to lose? I will not quit. This is a terrible, terrible way to be. It's terrible. But I know I'm not alone in this. And there's some women in here that's like, yeah, let my husband try that with me and see how that goes. <laughs> Teresa and Raul, I know this. You, you, Raul, you would be up. You better, you're going to come out with some black eyes. That's all I get. That's all I get. <laughs> she mean, boy. I bet she's got a, she's got, yeah, you don't play. <laughs> Um, but just because just because it's valid doesn't mean it's justified so right now I want to just draw down there's real things that are happening in your life you got marriage issues some of you might even be on the way you know out of the marriage 12th hour Uh, you got financial problems some of you have lost loved ones lost even children lost mothers lost fathers lost friends all of that impacts your, your family relationship. Some of you have kids that are not making good decisions. It's amazing how one child not making good decisions can disrupt the whole family. I mean, these are real life issues that happen. Communication breakdown, 
cheating and infidelity. Somebody stepped out on the marriage. I'm telling you, God can do a work in that. You don't have to automatically knee-jerk reaction, get out of the marriage. You can have a better marriage after the infidelity than before the infidelity. Some of you, you don't understand that because you haven't seen the God that we serve at work. And there are testimonies after testimonies of people in this church that have walked through that. And so I just love this. But in all of these, what we want to do is we want to respond to them spiritually and not emotionally. You know who, who responds to these type of big situations emotionally? Is the world. People that have no covenant relationship with God. But you do. You have a covenant relationship with God. And so you can enter into these same things in a spiritual way and come out of it that much better. Ephesians 4 and 31 says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, I don't know if you have this healthy ability, but man, when I start thinking about how I should respond to others, when I think about how God has responded to me, it's almost like I line up so quickly. And I know that I might be different. We're not all created the same. But this is one thing I know about me. I am only where I'm at because of the goodness of God. Nothing, I, nothing can be contributed to me just getting it right. Nothing, not one thing. And so when I ask the question, what is, how has God handled me? It forces me to, 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 to be grace, mercy, and humility. Even when there's pride, it's like, wow, I don't deserve this. Even if this person does, I'm not going to treat them like they, like they deserve it. And so... What does it say? 431, get rid of it all. But this is what I've found is when we start working on ourselves and bringing God into our shortcomings and we start making progress, sometimes with a little bit of progress, we make excuses. What does that look like? Well, I don't cuss as much as I used to. And so therefore, we're just like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to give myself a pass. Well, you know, God's done an incredible work in my life, and I don't drink as much as I used to. And so, and so, or, man, God has delivered me from the anger, right? I, I don't just lash out at my, at my kids and my family and in, in the workplace. God has delivered me from my anger, but you've got a slew of addictions over here that you're just like, listen, at least I'm not angry anymore. What does the Bible say? Get rid of all of these things. And this is the work that is a lifetime work, but we've got to work the work. That was good. So we need Jesus. You can't just wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. The only way that you get rid of all these things is by getting closer to Jesus. He says, listen, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. And you know what we need that we, we need to start talking about more? We need the infilling baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not just the Holy Spirit that brings us to a point of salvation. We need the Holy Spirit of power and fire that gives us the ability, come on, to walk in victory. Amen? And once again, just like at the altar here, there's some work done here that we won't even know until later on, but some people may have been going to counseling or, or dealing with issues 
that, that, that maybe there was some progress being made, but in a moment's time, because of the power and the presence of God, you know, setting the captive free, come on, there was something done here in just that short period of time. Matthew 22 and verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandments. I'm telling you to live your best married life right now, even if it's a terrible married life, you have to put God first. That's what it says. Put God first. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because what you are to give to your spouse only comes as God supplies the need. Put that scripture back up there so that we can see it. Scripture, scripture, back up. All right. So Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Well, there's another that says all your strength. But God is the one that supplies the very needs that you have to give to your spouse. If, you, if you're drawing from a well that is, that is dried up or a cistern that's dried up, it doesn't matter how thirsty your wife is. You can't give her a drink. And she can't give you a drink. And so you need to receive from the Lord what it is that you're, you're to give to her. All right, go to this trial uh, triangle. All right, so marriage counseling 101. I love to do this. I don't marriage counsel anymore, premarital Pastor Javi, and he's got a whole team of people that does this. But I always would use a diagram like this. You got the man on one side, you got the woman on the other side. They're coming together in holy matrimony. And the idea of this diagram, that as the man continues to pursue God and the woman continues to pursue God, as they naturally are growing in the Lord, the closer they're coming to one another. And so the, the very thing that, that brings a, a husband and wife closer together in proximity through sacrifice and relationship is their personal devotion to the Lord. And while we start off with great you know, vows and the scripture and whatnot, Unfortunately, this seldom gets carried out as, as well as it was intended to be carried out. And once again, you've got to be the judge of that. How much of God is in the relationship? All right, so that's what that, that's what that diagram, uh, that's what that stands for. And so once again, if you're single, any single people here, you're not married, raise them up, okay? If you're single, this is why this is so important and the scripture is so important that you not become unequally yoked. What does that mean? If you're not used to Christianese, what that means is don't get linked up with somebody else that doesn't love Jesus like you love Jesus. In our community, this happens all the time. We've got, we've got Christians that, that, that are marrying people that are not Christians. We've got Christians that are marrying people that, that, uh, that come from different religions. And the Bible speaks to this. Do not marry somebody that is not going the same direction that you're going to. Because this is what happens. If you get married, and, and this is what's said. My marriage, you know, my personal walk with God is not going to affect my marriage. Baloney. If you think that's true, while it might be true before you have kids, at the moment that kids are introduced, you've got a major conflict, and probably even before that. 
But I'm telling you, God's word is true and it works. But let's just say you're, you're just thinking, you know what? I love God and I know she's an atheist and, and whatnot. But this is the deal is you love God as the man and you're growing in God. You're just going, growing. And then the woman remains exactly where it is that she is. She doesn't even believe in God. And if I have to mess this diagram up and make that triangle different or taller or whatnot, I'll do it. But the idea is one that's growing in the Lord and another is not. You're not actually getting closer. You're becoming farther apart. And so young people, would you listen? You you guys, none of you are married right here, right? Do not get linked up with somebody that doesn't love Jesus like you love Jesus. If I can beg you, if I can just beg you, please don't make that mistake. Get healthy yourself and then pray for your spouse. Well, I love her. You love the idea of her, but God's got somebody that loves Jesus just like you guys love Jesus, right? And so please don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. All right. Well, what if I'm married and, and you know, this is great. I've been married 20 years and now I'm hearing this for the first time. My wife doesn't want to have anything to do with church. And my husband, every time I ask him to pray at home, you know, even for the food, I get, I get harassed. Or, man, I've made this decision to start going to church and I'm getting poked fun of every single time I go home. So, so what should I do? Should I just leave the relationship? No, you're married. You are married. There is no hope for you. The only hope... The only hope for you is Jesus. Let me give you, let me give you the scripture. The Bible says that to remain with your spouse if they are willing to remain with you because of the faith of one person, salvation can come to the whole household. And so you might be being harassed right now and poked fun of and you just think, oh, that's cute. You gotta pray for your food and and all of that stuff. Like you're getting verbal abuse done to you, but what you don't see is what God's doing on the heart. What you don't see is, and so, so what you don't want to do is shrink back in your faithfulness to God. What you, and even if you're a woman and it's the man doing the thing, like honestly, you may have to step up and be the spiritual head of your home and drag your kids to church even whenever he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. But you know what we see all the time? We see whoever it is that loves God, they shrink back and they participate in, 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 in the drinking or the smoking and the partying and whatnot. And, and they don't go to church anymore. And so the effect has gone totally the opposite direction. Completely the opposite direction as it's supposed to go. Man, I got to hurry up. All right, number two is this. Know the difference between needs and wants in marriage. This is a source of many problems that people have is they cannot identify needs versus wants. Needs are things that you have to have. Wants are things that you would like to have but you don't necessarily need. This is three things, very practical. You've heard all this. You you don't have to give a ton of weight to it but I'm just gonna share it anyway. Uh, You could probably get some of this stuff from self-help books and things like that. The word of God is what matters but there's three things that, that, that most women, not all women, because some women will surprise you. And the same thing when we get to the men, it's not 
all men, it's most men, but some men will surprise you. But one of the things that Tina was telling me that's important to a lot of women is security. And I'm thinking, yeah, security, I'll protect you. You know what I mean? Let's, you know, I'm real big around her. You know, I'm like, you just let somebody like I can do that. You know, I puff out my chest a little bit and I'll always protect you, babe. You know, and while that's important, that's not what she was talking about. She was talking about a safe place. You know, she was talking about me meeting her emotional needs in the marriage. She was talking about me building a trust that cannot be shaken. Men, this is just extra. Um, I can tell you this, that a lot of women, they want to know that they are the most important woman in your life, and they should be. Um, and so, and then the second one, and not for all women, but affection. And this isn't the same kind of affection, men, that your mind is going to right now. It's a different kind of affection, like loving gestures and compliments. And in fact, I would just tell you guys a great book to read, and you can go out to Gary Chapman's website, uh, The Five Love Languages, and figure out what your love language is and your wife's love language. But uh, um, and number three is communication. Now listen, men, I want to talk to you real quick. This is a great area of sacrifice for most men. However, a lot of men can give any woman a run for their money, the cooks, um, whenever it comes to, whenever it comes to, when it comes to talking. These boys talk more than their spouses. I know this because I've been close to them. But yeah, you get a head start. Um, most women use about three times as many words, not in the Cook family, of course, but three times as many words as, as men do. And so you really have to be intentional. They don't just want communication, just talking. But in this, you know, men, they don't want you to fix their issues. What they want is for you to spend time and relate to them. Spend time and relate and take interest in the things that they're interested in. All right. So three things that men need. I'm going to hit these real quick. Honor and respect. Every man needs support and help. Taking a look at Genesis chapter 2.18. It's not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve, gave them the capacity to love one another. And he says, listen, I'm going to make a helper who is just right for him. I think it's interesting that when, when Eve was created, the first adjective that was given to her, spoken of her, was being a helper. And the reason why God knew this is because there's no way that man can become all that he's supposed to become. Um, and, and I talk to this in marriage because one of the things I'll say in marriage is that it is the duty of the wife. Watch this up here. It's the duty of the wife um, to support her husband, to manifest a meek and a quiet spirit which before God is very valuable. And I see the faces already, meek and quiet. But, and I see it right up here, like right up here. She's I'm like, I'll get one of these. And I'll be like, listen, meekness is not weakness. In fact, I will take that opportunity to say the truth is, is this man right here is going to become everything that this man is supposed to become because of you in his life. And, and you're a strength and he needs your support and he needs your, he needs your help. And, and so um, number three is most every man, and I say most because not all, but every man needs intimacy. And this is the kind of intimacy that men know 
that I'm talking about without having to go any further. And oh, by the way, when I say every man, what I mean is every married man. Like, listen, as a single man, you need to grow in the Lord so that you can exercise some self-control. For, for you to be entering into, and listen, I feel weird about this because I didn't do this right, but guess what? It's still right because the Bible is right. Where, 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 where somebody has a different opinion than the word of God, let that person be called a liar. And so the word of God is true. Well, you just don't understand how hard it is. God does. He's the one that wrote it, and he can give you self-control. And, and, and I'm just saying this, that marriage between one man and one not the idea of marriage, not we've been dating for seven years and, and you know, the commitment's there. Have you been married? Is it, is it I, I was asked just this, this last week, that does it have to be recorded? Yes. Yes, you better believe it. You go back to the book of Moses. There is a, 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 a or the book of Moses. <laughs> you go back to Moses giving a decree or a, or a certificate of divorce. This was something that could be certified, turned in, that shows that, okay, this man and this woman are no longer, you know, by the, by the you know, it's, it's spiritual, but it's also, it's also um, in the courts. And so why am I sharing that? I have no idea. All I'm saying is, is that it's funny how we try to get around stuff today. It is funny the conversations that we will enter into to say, oh, this is okay or that's okay. And I'm just saying that, that that's sin at work in your life. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 7, talking about the kind of intimacy that all men know that we're talking about. It says this, our bodies are not our own. Don't withhold your body from your spouse. This is talking about men to women. It says your body is not your own, but it, is, it belongs to them. Don't withhold that so that, um, you know, so that the evil one doesn't come in and, and really, really mess you up. Except for a short period of time to draw close to God. Then it says you can come back together. If you want to read this, read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2 all the way through verse 5. It explains it all. Matter of fact, I would encourage everybody to read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 uh, or 7. I'm just going to read it since I'm telling you. i got to hurry up, man. Since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relationships with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his body, but yet yields it to his, to his wife. Number five, do not deprive each other of this kind of relationship that we all know what we're talking about. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent, meaning it's okay, we're going to do this for a short period of time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then, after the prayer is completed, come again together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. See, listen, I, I talked to, unfortunately, some folks that they haven't been this kind of intimate with their wife or with their husband in six months in a year, in sometimes two years. And I'm just telling you, man, that is dangerous territory and that is not natural and it's not normal. And, 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 and listen, I know a lot can come into that. There's a lot of things Pastor Javi and I were talking about. Like this is a, this is a, 
This is a conversation that needs to be had that's more than just a statement. I'm making a statement. It's a conversation that needs to be had. There's menopause. There's all kinds of chemical weird things that happen. And so we have to, we have to be giving one to another, sharing and also understanding and work through some of these things. But I'm telling you, you're in dangerous territory if you're barking on six months and not not having it. Next thing you know, that's whenever you're looking for something else. And if, especially if it's not being talked about, it's like, well, maybe, maybe if, you know, this will just take care of itself and it won't. Let me tell you, I promise you it won't. So the third one is communication. Tool is communication. Communication is key. Uh, If you want me to send these to you, I'll send them to you. I'm going to hit them real hard. Seek, whenever it comes to communication, seek to be understood more than Seek to understand more than trying to be understood. Keep your distance from the blame game. That never helps anybody. Take interest in your spouse by taking interest in the things that he or she is interested in. Okay? Admit when you're wrong and make up quickly. I can tell you this, that the most important person on this earth to you as a married person is your husband and wife. And if that is not the case, you need to reestablish so that that person, it's crazy to me how many kids take that number one spot. Never God's intention. If that's exactly how it is, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. It's out of order. It's God and then your spouse and then your children and then your ministry or your work or whatever else that, that looks like. So I'm closing with this spiritual aspect. Put your seatbelt on. Hang out with me for a second. The book of James was written by James, the brother of Jesus. The book of James was written to um, Jewish Christians, brand new Jewish Christians, when the first church was, was started. And these Christians were dispersed outside of Israel. So I want you to know that there were many hardships that these Jewish Christians were facing. They didn't have a home. There was a great deal of persecution. And so James is, is, is writing this book mainly to them. But it also can apply to us. And you might think that this is a little bit of a stretch, and that's okay. But I'm going to apply it to marriage here today. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 1 through 3, and then we're going to pick up and get the answer at 7 and 8. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle inside of you? Then he says what that desire is. You desire but do not have, so you kill And I'm just saying in marriage, we might not, I mean, some people literally kill their spouse, but we may not kill our spouse, but we can destroy them with our words. We can be so angry and, 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 and just like me, how foolish was that of me to say, do you really want to do this? Because basically what I was saying is I'm going to hurt you more than you're going to hurt me. Terrible. Are you kidding me? This is your pastor at his finest. And so... Welcome. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. Why? That's why you, you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Boy, there's so much in that right there where we, we can take our eyes. We want something that's not for us to have in a marriage. 
And a lot of the time it's selfishness for selfish gain, selfish pleasure. A lot of people deal with porn because of this or they step out on their wives or their husbands because of this. They start looking elsewhere outside of the, outside of the family. But the answer is found in verse 7. Submit yourself to God. This is the answer. If you want a healthy marriage and you've got a broken one right now, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I want you to remember our triangle up there. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. So a major problem in our marriages is that we're pursuing the wrong things. Instead of God, what we're doing is we're pursuing the sinful desires that we have in our hearts. And guess what? When you allow sinful desire in your heart, you will destroy the very people that love you the most. You'll destroy your wife and your husband to to fulfill the sinful desires that you have. That person that it was at one point the most important thing to you is now just an obstacle that's in your way and you're thinking, man, I just got to get out of this. I got to get rid of. And it doesn't matter if you hurt her or you hurt him. And I want you to know that when you identify this, this is the devil at work in your life. Like God is not working this. This is Satan himself at work in your life at that moment. So let's go back to our triangle our triangle. I want you to know this. Guys, I'm, I'm going to speed up here real quick, even faster than last time. But I want you to know this. Let's take this bottom line here. This bottom line here represents the first day of a husband and a wife entering together in holy matrimony. I want you to realize that that first day, even though you feel the closest that you can feel to your wife, I just love her so much. She completes me. Some of the vows that you hear, aren't they amazing? Just beautiful vows. And and I just love him so much. Well, I want you to recognize that God's plan is at that very moment, that first day of marriage, you are farther apart than you should ever be in your relationship going forward. At that first day, like, like God takes us from glory to glory to glory in our marriage. And so sometimes people hit the 10-year the mark and they, they say crazy things like, you know, and they won't, they're not talking to their spouse. Maybe they're talking to their buddy. Man, I wish I just had that fire that I, that I had in the first years of marriage. That I, but that's not God's plan. God's plan is for that, that fire to continue to grow. You know, maybe you're, you're mistaking your, your feelings with what true commitment and true love is. Love is a choice. But I'm just saying this, that that bottom line there, what that does is it represents the floor. And I'm going to use this floor as an example. And I'm sorry to the cameraman. But the floor, listen to this, the floor is where all the people are. At the very bottom, I'm still, I'm married now. Like this is my first day of marriage. But guess what? I I have no clue what it's like to be married. I'm still very much an individual and I've got to work through some, I got to get some stuff figured out. I mean, I know what marriage is supposed to be like, but I've been a married, I've been single for, well, at my age, I, I was married when I was 25. So for 25 years, I did single terrible, but I didn't, I didn't know anything about marriage, nothing about it. So marriage on that bottom line, it represents the floor. Well, what's down here on the floor? 
bunch of people. How are you doing? What's your name? Justin. Justin. Awesome. Bunch of people. A lot of distractions. Lots of distractions. Plus, I'm still trying to figure out who I am. So I'm more easily distracted down here. This is why we have things called the seven-year itch. People celebrate. Boy, if you make it back, oh, this is your eighth anniversary. Wow. What do you mean? Wow. You made it past the seven-year itch. Why? Because these are some of the hardest years of your life. Why? Because there's so many distractions. Why? Because I really don't even know myself. And then I've got all of you to deal with. I'm just going to sit right next to you. Maybe my wife and I were struggling a little bit. I shouldn't even be sitting next to the single woman. But now I'm just kind of like, hey, tell me about yourself. You know what I'm saying? This happens. Let's be real. It happens. Somebody at your workplace, which is down on the floor, they're giving you a lot more attention maybe than what you're getting, getting at home. And so you just, you're like, man, that feels good. Everybody likes to feel good, right? And so you allow your mind on the floor to go someplace where it should not go. Why? Well, because A, you're too easily distracted. B, you don't know who you are in the Lord. You really have forgotten what marriage is about. It's not about what I can receive, but what I can give. Maybe you've stopped growing in the Lord. You're you're not living sacrificial. You stopped getting into your Bible. You got in your Bible when you were praying for your wife. God, just give me a wife. That's all I want, all I want. You're fasting. You're fasting. You're, even, you're going without food, and you know how men like their food. Fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer. God answers, gives you a wife. All of a sudden, you're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. Why? Because you were looking for God's hand to give you something instead of his heart and his face, which he desires just to spend time with you, right? But there's so many distractions here. So you have to deal with the distractions because every marriage starts out on the floor. But if you're not growing in God as a man and the wife that you choose is not growing in in God as a woman, then you're going to remain on the floor. Guess what? There are people that have been married 50 years, 55 years, 30 years, 20 years and been miserable the whole time. And the only reason why they've been miserable is because they've remained on the floor. They haven't elevated, they're not pursuing their life, they're not pursuing God, which automatically is going to help their marriage to thrive and grow because they're going to come together. I can tell you this, the best thing I can do for my marriage is make sure that my relationship with Jesus Christ is on point. The worst thing I can do for my marriage is, is, is stop studying, you know what I mean, Treat, treat this ministry like a job, which is easy to slide into. The only studying you're doing is to put together the next sermon. So I'm, te- I'm talking to you about something that is very real, and it doesn't matter where you are in life. You've got to be intentional. I wore my intentional bracelet that Jim and Susan made for me because I'm, I'm being intentional. So what do we got to do? We got to elevate. We got to elevate from the floor. We got to draw close to the Lord. We got to go up. We got to draw close to him. He'll draw close to us. Well, guess what? Up here, this is the platform. This isn't a stage. This is just a play. It's elevated. I'm not down there. Look how many people there are down there. Now look how many people are up here. Are there some distractions? You better believe it. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, 
that I'm more focused on my relationship and my walk with God. Now, the only way that you elevate from down there to up here is, is one word, and it's a word, humility. I have humbled myself before the Lord. The Bible says that, 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 that he will humble the proud or he will exalt the humbled. Like when I humble myself and I'm not having the Lord humble me and knock me down. When I humble myself before the Lord and say, God, it's all about you. I am, I am nothing. I have nothing. You know what he does? He picks me up. He's like, get, get up here. Get up here. You needed that. Now I'm going to raise you up. But you know what he does to the proud? He'll knock you down and he will humble you and he will keep you there until until you come out of that pride. Pride comes before the what? The fall. Who causes the fall? Who causes the fall? If he's going to humble you, he will knock you down. He will raise up and he will bring down. So anyway, there's fewer distractions up here. You get it. Man, I'm going to need your help. Just coming down, just letting you know. Oh, yeah, I've got a helper. But the idea is for us to continue to grow in the Lord. Maybe I've been serving the Lord for... Whoa. Maybe I've been serving the Lord for 15, 20 years, 30 years. But all the while I'm married, but all the while I'm doing my part, I'm pursuing a God that loves me so much. I'm sacrificing. I'm keeping in my word. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm growing in the Lord. And guess what? The ideas that my wife is doing at the same. So she's not here today. But the idea is that every place that I go, she's coming with me right we're doing it we're doing it together and so up here man there's no distractions just imagine me and my wife right here we're above the distractions and we're close to god i mean god's always present and so i know this is a little bit confusing but we're close to god because he's more in our heart more in our focus and we're becoming more mature and growing in him amen we're not on the floor we're not on the platform but now we're on the ledge. And I just want you to know that this is what a marriage is supposed to look like. Growing in Him. Amen. The more we grow in Him, the closer we get together. I want us to just go ahead and worship the Lord. Do you guys receive the word of the Lord today? Amen. Can we give God just a hand clap? Guys, I want you to know that God is for marriage. Doesn't matter where you're at, but He's for you. And I'm telling you, if he's for it, he can help you wherever you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.